the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. We talk about issues of the day from a Christian perspective. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. As you know, we are living in crazy times, and uh, I like to talk about why you need to pray for your country and pray for your leaders. And this year, I think, is is maybe the most bizarre in so many ways, and I think it's only getting started. Do you agree with that? I, I think it is. So one of the things, I don't get into this too much until we have uh, you know some kind of story, but an area to pray is with all of these cases that are coming down, particularly the ones that are uh, related to Donald Trump, they have very significant, they will have a significant impact, however they're decided, not just on Donald Trump or this year, but on the future. And anytime you're dealing with courts, right, anytime you're dealing with decisions that are a matter as a, of a matter of law, you you have to take some time to realize that the decision is about the future. The decision is not just about however that impacts Donald Trump today, but how does that not just impact future presidents, but how does that impact you and I? You know, how are our rights um, tied into that? What kind of precedent is going to be set that could be used for or against you and I later in something else that we might be involved in one way or the other? And the somebody once said that complicated cases create bad law or something to that effect. And the idea with that is that some of these Trump cases in particular are very tricky. And one of them is the immunity case that the Supreme Court yesterday said that they would they would take up. And it's complicated in so many different ways. Um, and I want to try to give you the best explanation that I can from a layperson perspective. You know, things get done. Things happen. I mean, things that ought to happen, whatever is right and wrong, things that ought to happen, they happen more often if things are simple. Right? Everybody kind of ignored Watergate and the complicated matters of that for a long time. And probably nothing would have come of that until it came out that uh, President Nixon had recorded conversations and that there were tapes, and then they uh, played the tapes, and there was a missing 18 and a half minutes that clearly got erased. Everybody understands that, right? As soon as it looked like, oh, there are tapes and what's on the tape and the 18 and a half minutes that got erased, how did that happen? Oh, it was, a, it was an accident. It was no accident. Uh, most, most people don't believe that was an accident, and that was the end. Then, see, what happened, though, is that something that had always been in the news and it was being talked about by people who were into policy and stuff, suddenly it became understandable. And that is one of the things that when you get clarity, what I've been praying about when it comes to the situations with President Trump or even the situations with President Biden, that there would be clarity in, in that, that whatever is actually true would come out and be something that you just can't dispute, 
right? As soon as the tapes came out with President Nixon, even the Republicans had to say, yeah, you know what, uh, he's going to have to go. Uh, that's something that's going to have to happen. And when you pray for our country and you pray for our leaders, that's, I think, one of the things to pray for is that the truth would come out about whatever it is and that it would be very, very clear and not convoluted. Right now, a lot of these things are are convoluted. Um, and we don't know all the facts. And sometimes things, we just don't know how they're going to be decided because they are so technical. This is uh, an interview on CNN with uh, Congressman Adam Schiff. And he is lamenting that the Supreme Court is taking up the case uh, on presidential immunity, the Donald Trump uh um, who is asking for that to be brought to the Supreme Court um, so that the January 6th trial, if you're keeping score, the January 6th trial in Washington, D.C., would no longer be a trial is ultimately what that means. So what's first of all, what's your reaction to this decision from the U.S. Supreme Court to even take this case and hear these arguments about presidential immunity? It's really hard to understand the decision, Wolf, except uh, that it is likely some of the justices simply want to assist Donald Trump in delaying the resolution of this case in the hope of pushing his trial off uh, past the election. Uh, If that were to happen, then, of course, Donald Trump would try to, if successful in the election, make the whole case go away. Now, he's lamenting this, that the Supreme Court is going to take it up. But the Supreme Court was asked to be involved right away by Jack Smith, who is the prosecutor who's prosecuting Donald Trump. And he probably accurately said, hey, this is coming to you anyway, Supreme Court, so let's skip the usual appeal process that would go through the D.C. courts and that system, and uh, let's just get this decided right now. And at issue is this, does a president, somebody who is an acting president, can they be criminally charged for something they did while they are president? And you might think that that is simple, but it does get somewhat complicated. And especially, can they be charged for something that they're doing that falls within the scope of their duties. And, you know, for sure they can get charged with for something that is outside of being president, okay? No one's arguing that. What they're arguing is the Trump people would say, whenever uh, Trump got involved after the election and he said there was uh, election fraud, that it is the duty of the president to enforce the law. And if he thinks there's fraud, even if he's wrong, he's still within the scope of his duty as president to challenge those things. That's what they're going to argue. And therefore, he shouldn't be held accountable uh, criminally for that. Um, The government, the Justice Department is saying, no, he went outside of the scope of that. And uh, this is just a very simple way of looking at at that. And therefore, uh, he can be charged with that. Right. So if you go out, if you're the president and uh, you go out and you murder somebody, well, you can be charged for that. Nobody disagrees with that. Unless you could argue that you murdered somebody in order to protect the country and it was part of your duties, then people would argue, perhaps, that uh, you can't be charged with that unless the Congress impeaches you and the Senate convicts you. And that is to try to make it simple. That's basically the idea. So the Trump people are arguing that a president has immunity to criminal prosecution for anything he does while in office within if it can be described within the scope of their duty unless the congress impeaches the house impeaches and the senate convicts and if that's the case well then he can be charged with anything at that point but you what they're arguing is that you need to have the the duties according to the constitution is that the house of representatives would impeach and the senate would convict and if that happens then you can be charged uh you can charge a president with a crime 
if that doesn't happen, then some people are saying, well, then you can't. Uh, it's a lot more fuzzy than that. Uh, and that's what some of the argument is. Uh, but it gets kind of funny because then you start to speculate, well, what can a president do? If there is immunity, right, if he can do anything from criminal, can he kill somebody? Can he uh, uh, do one thing or the other? And that's some of what uh, you hear in all this. What's funny to me about the complaining yesterday about the Supreme Court taking up this appeal is that Jack Smith asked for this appeal. It just took a while. And then the the Supreme Court, what they did was they came back and they said – no, we wanted to go through the regular process, and that process began, and now they're taking it up. Uh, Adam Schiff will explain that maybe a little better than me. Because there's no reason to take this case. The legal and constitutional issues are not difficult. If a president was immunized uh, in trying to overturn a presidential election, that would mean that any subsequent president could call out the military, could seize ballot boxes, and if they were ever prosecuted for it, they would be held immune. And that would be the end of our constitutional system. That's the, that's the argument that he's making, that if a president can do that, then they can just stop elections. That's not at all what the actual argument is in the courts. This is the process that, that it has gone through so far, and he is correct, I think, for the most part about this. So first, the Supreme Court says to the special counsel, we're going to make you go to the Court of Appeals, even though you, you've asked us to decide this uh, in an expedited basis. And then they do go to the Court of Appeals. They get a very sound judgment unanimous three-judge opinion, very well-reasoned, and they say, okay, having sent you the Court of Appeals, now we're going to take up the case anyway. Hard to conclude. It's not for the purposes of delay. Well, I'm sure there's a purpose of delay, and that is what uh, people on the left are upset about, is that it's possible that this case will not come to trial before the election. It might even be likely for that. And, uh, you know, that would mean that maybe it doesn't go to trial at all or that it happens at such a time where it wouldn't be relevant, uh, however it gets decided. This is the issue with immunity. This came up in the conversation. So it went to the D.C. Court of Appeals, and this was a conversation between one of the uh, appellate judges and Donald Trump's attorneys about how far does immunity from criminal actions go for the president. And this is uh, probably the most famous in uh, exchange. Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act in order to SEAL Team 6? He, he would have to be and would speedily be, you know, uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal but prosecution. If you are, yes or no question. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached, would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first. And so, so your answer is, is, no. is my answer is qualified. Yes. So the the Trump argument is basically that, yes, a president can be criminally prosecuted, but it has to go through the impeachment process first. And that if he's impeached and convicted, well, then it goes forward. So then the issue is, well, what else can happen? Because certainly, you know, presidents shouldn't be allowed to do anything. So this is what Adam Schiff is suggesting a president could do to even stop an impeachment process then. The extension of that argument is you could murder the Senate majority leader, prevent an impeachment trial going forward, and therefore protect uh, a president or former president from any kind of criminal uh, liability. That's absurd. So he's suggesting that a president who has full-on immunity would be able to murder the Senate majority leader and therefore you couldn't have an impeachment trial. So you start to go down this road and you start to see all of these things are probably absurd, right? Is that even if you could do that, uh, if you brought in SEAL Team 6 to do it, can you just order the military? By the way, the military takes its oath to the Constitution, not to the president. 
Uh, also, is there a SEAL Team 5? Do they always feel passed up? Like, is there SEAL Team 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5? Are they just going, hey, how come we don't get to do any of this? It's always SEAL Team 6. Um, it's an interesting argument, but there is a reason for it. And the Supremes are going to decide this. That is something I think this, when we get to the, the subject of how to pray, however they decide it is going to affect future presidents. Because if they say, no, a president doesn't have any any immunity at all, then the jeopardy for future presidents is that they might commit an act or do something that they think is within the bounds of their their responsibilities as president that they could be criminally prosecuted for. And the problem with that is that, well, what if what they did is actually the right thing to do, um, and then they don't do it because they're looking over their shoulder, afraid that they're going to get prosecuted, so then they don't take actions they ought to take. The Constitution and the writings of the founders actually dealt a lot with this, particularly with the area of treason. You know, if for sure a president should have immunity, uh, most agreed, but there's got to be some kind of limit to that. So treason was one of the discussions. If you read the Federalist Papers, I think it's number 69, that's the uh, most significant one with this. There's all kinds of conversation about creative treasons and what is to stop the other party from criminally prosecuting a president for something that they've decided is treason. For example, if the Republicans decide that President Biden is committing treason by not enforcing the border law, if they just decide, you know what, it's treasonous, it's to the point where he is giving aid and comfort to our enemies, because what happens if terrorists, for example, come over the border illegally and they commit terrorist acts and Americans die? Or what about uh, the person who murdered that girl in Georgia he came from Venezuela. There's some story. I don't know if it's true or not, but the story is that Venezuela is emptying their prisons and sending everybody up here, uh, which would be very convenient for Venezuela. It's expensive to have prisons, and it's hard to have uh, murderous people in your country, so just get them out. Um, what if it turns out that's true, and he came over because of the policies of President Biden? Can the Republicans in the next administration – or can a state that is a red state, Florida or Texas, for example, or Georgia, can they then prosecute criminally President Biden for his border policy? Or can they prosecute another example was one of the drone strikes that President Obama ordered killed an American citizen? And can you then prosecute Obama now that he's an ex-president criminally because he did not afford due process to an American he killed? Right. You can see it's called creative treasons. It's the idea that. You can take you – know, people throw that word around all the time, treason, right? Can you think of a president in uh, the last uh, 30 or 40 years that somebody's not accusing of treason somewhere, some congressperson? They're all accused of treason for you know this and that, and that's uh, unfortunately a word that we throw around today. But we also threw it around uh, 250 years ago. Uh, it was something that would be would be done. So the founders were very concerned about making sure that a president has doesn't have to fear criminal prosecution – for doing his job or doing what he believes to be his job and doesn't have to fear criminal prosecution even if he does a lousy job, right? Should a president be prosecuted for doing a lousy job? Should some people said President Biden did a lousy job uh, and our exit from Afghanistan and a bunch of American uh, soldiers got killed. It was a terrible thing and I agree it was terrible. Should he be personally criminally liable 
because of whatever he did there? Can you say he's incompetent and then put him in jail? And that's the threat on the other side. So the argument in favor of immunity for any president is to say we can't have a system where every president is going to be liable for doing things within the scope of the presidency, within the scope of their job. And you can't just say somebody who's incompetent or did a lousy job uh, or was wrong about a situation or handled things in the wrong way. You can't just say that's criminal because you don't like them. That's the that's the argument on one side. The other side is, hey, well, you got to have some kind of accountability criminally because what happens if they leverage that immunity to do horrific things for no particular reason for the good of the country? And you can see where this starts to get complicated. And however it gets decided, it will impact future presidents. I think I think what they're probably going to do, the Supreme Court is they will probably find some some way to define what kinds of things are within the scope of the job. And then they're going, I believe, they're going to have to, well, they probably don't have to, but they might have to define that and they will either say Donald Trump is either within that scope or without with whatever actions he did on uh, January 6th. And actually, and so that you know, what he's being charged with on January 6th is not rioting and is not insurrection. Uh, not any of that. He's being charged with uh, an attempt to uh, – there's a few different charges. One of them is to disrupt a uh, proceeding. There's a whole other Supreme Court case about that. And another one is trying to overturn an election by – and it's because of the idea that said if Mike Pence goes in and refuses to count the electoral votes and sends it back to the states, uh, then the states could put forward another – if they voted, then they could put forward another slate. And they're saying that was a criminal act that – uh, President Trump attempted, even though that didn't actually happen, even though the attempt didn't really even happen. Uh, so it's very, it's very complicated uh, when it gets into whether or not that's in the scope of things. Anyway, are you are you with me here? So the what concerns me in the bigger picture is, however, that this gets played out, the politics of it is going to be very anti-Supreme Court, particularly if this goes Trump's way. And to delegitimize the Supreme Court is just a dangerous thing, particularly, you know, he already said, you know, well, they're just Trump, you know, appointees. Well, everybody's an appointee of somewhere. Um, This is an area to pray for your country, pray for the Supreme Court, that however they decide these things, that for the long term, they're going to make half the country mad, probably, whichever way they decide these things. But they need to make decisions that are good for the long term of our country. Otherwise, we're going to be having these same conversations with every president. We're going to have every president potentially charged or charged with crimes. We're going to have every president uh, or we're going to have presidents who are not charged because somebody thinks they when they should be. There's going to be so many different things. And what that does, by the way, people always complain about our leaders. Uh, it prevents good people from running. Why should I run for office if I'm just going to get charged with a crime for doing what I think is my job? I guess I won't run. That's a dangerous thing. That's the real danger. Everybody, both sides are saying, you know, it's a dangerous to democracy. I think the danger to democracy is that, that leaders won't want to step up. I think that there are longer term things to think about with this, and it's an area to pray. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can join the conversation and chime in if you'd like. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Pat in La Mirada, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yes, uh, Pastor Scott, I appreciate your show. Hi, thanks, Pat. The bottom line is action. Deliver the gospel. It'll do its work. It will not return void. It'll penetrate the hearts and souls of man. 
And and if those that cheated on the election machines had the Holy Spirit in them, they would fearfully do what's right. And Adam Schiff, he 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 said things about Trump that were not true. He said we have the evidence. If he knew that he was cursed for lying according to the scriptures, he would weep at the altar. And you're talking about the uh, Russia Gate thing. Hoax, the Russia hoax. Yeah. And and you know the lifeguards that protect our oceans have a 10-20 rule: 10 seconds to spot the troubled swimmer, 20 to rescue him. What are Christians doing? Half percent evangelize. Six percent of churches have evangelism program. The only power we have on earth that can change the world is Jesus Christ, the Word of God. We need to wake up, get to work, deliver the gospel, and it could change the country even now. Well, Christians, then, we need to wake up and get and obey the Lord thy God. And I think when that happens, you get clarity, right? Because not everybody would agree with you on maybe what happened with voting machines or other things, right? But there needs to, sure. it should be it should be whatever happened or didn't happen. If we had clarity, it would make it impossible to even go down those roads, right? And we would be forced to do something about it. Um, and I think that matters a lot. And I think that's a great thing to pray for the truth of all of these situations coming out. Amen. Good job. Thank you, Pat. Thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can watch us live on Rumble at rumble.com. You can uh, check it out also at kkla.com. But if you've got a Rumble account, you can watch our program live. Say hello and uh, chat even during our show. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show on Rumble. You can also follow us on all the socials at Pastor Scott Show, Instagram, TikTok, X, Facebook, at Pastor Scott Show. Give us a follow right now. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. February 29th. It is Leap Day. And uh, that happens every four years, right? If you are keeping track of that, I guess that for a while, uh, whenever that became a thing, uh, Sweden didn't want to participate for a while. They just said, we're not doing it. But uh, eventually they said, all our calendars are all messed up now. So they uh, added a few days and caught up. Well, I hope that you're having a good day. Do you have, is February 29th interesting for you for some reason? When this day, is it your birthday? Is it a day that you got proposed to? Like, is this your wedding anniversary or your birthday? It'd be interesting, right, as you propose on February 29th. Uh, does that mean you only have to remember it every four years? You just have no – is that how it works? Uh, give me a call. Tell me what you think about February 29th, if there's something interesting about it to you. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Is it your birthday, and how, did you ha- how do you handle that in off years? Do you, do you do make the 28th of February your birthday or March 1st? Or do you pick some other random day during most years? How does that work? There's, there are some old traditions. And one of the old traditions when it comes to proposals is that, ladies, on February 29th, you get to propose uh, traditionally. Yeah, buddy. But it is, uh, you know, I guess that you get this one time a year. It's something that's ancient. But I guess that was the tradition is that, you know, you would be waiting around and he just won't, he just won't uh, put the ring on it, right? You think he's going to do it and you've picked it out and you've given him every hint, but he doesn't get around to it. That's as old as time. And uh, but on February 29th, once that became a thing, I guess 
that is uh, your day. So maybe if you're thinking about it, uh, that that's your day. Although, be careful about that because some people think it's a it's a bad day for love, February 29th. I don't I don't believe in all that stuff, by the way. But it's just interesting that people have that. Now, you guys got any uh, February 29th uh, stories? Did you wake up thinking it's March 1st? I just know there's a lot of free stuff out there. What what kind of free stuff do you get on February 29th? Uh, I don't know. I I was looking earlier. There's a lot of like uh, deals people have like stores. You get a 229 crunch wrap at Taco Bell. That's exciting. 229 crunch wrap at Taco Bell. That's a deal. <laughs> anything 229, you know, that uh well anything at all that costs 229. Uh so that's something worth looking at and uh to do that. I'm trying to uh watch the calories and stuff. I should stay away from the uh the the crunch wraps except for uh those are exciting if they hand make their tortillas does that get them exempt see i think that should be a thing that should be a thing you know the uh one of the interesting things happening in california today is that uh panera bread is uh apparently exempt okay we talked about this last hour a little bit but they're exempt from the 20 dollar an hour minimum wage job for fast food companies and uh, it's controversial because uh, Governor Newsom, um, <clears throat> Governor Newsom, uh, knows and has uh, received campaign money from the uh, CEO of Panera Bread. And he's like, I don't know how that happened. Well, the funny thing to me is that apparently you get out of the twenty dollar minimum wage thing if you sell bread individually, if you make your own bread and you sell it individually. Like just the bread. Now, what does make your own bread mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's – I think that – I don't even know if you have to make it. You just have to sell it. It's like separately. Does it come to you pre-made and you just bake it like Subway or – and then they can sell it and consider it? Well, see, what I think is – what it means is so Panera Bread is not considered as a a part of the $20 an hour minimum wage. So if you're you're not keeping score with us – on April 1st, last year, the governor signed into effect a new minimum wage for fast food workers that it's $20 an hour. And there was a big press conference and everybody celebrated because if you work at a fast food company, you know, the idea is that you're going to get those big raise up to from 16 to $20 an hour. Um, actually, what's going to happen is you're going to get a raise from uh, $20 an hour to zero because a robot is going to replace you. That's what's going to happen. And it is happening in uh, so many places. However, so companies, you know, are objecting to that, of course. Have you seen how expensive it is? Uh, Jose, you were telling me uh, how much was a double-double in 2015, nine years ago? How much was it? I think just uh, the number one or just a burger was like 350 I think. Yeah, and the number and one was what? That was in, uh, I believe, 2015. And the number one was how much, you figure? Uh, it's like seven five bucks, maybe. Something? Or maybe like 595 Okay, what's it now? It's like... It's over $10. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. In most places. Uh, so fast food companies, you know, behind the scenes are saying, we don't really want to pay this or we really can't or we don't really want to fire our people and put a computer up. And uh, apparently Panera Bread got a carve out. Uh, this is the, uh, the story. California's new uh, fast food minimum wage law has a notable exception. The Panera Bread chain. There are claims it's due to a relationship between Governor Gavin Newsom and a donor who owns multiple locations. Starting What's April 1st, the new law will raise fast food workers' minimum wage to $20 per hour. But Panera 
is avoiding that increase due to an exemption written into the law that says bakeries are not fast food. A Bloomberg report found that the owner of more than 20 Panera locations, Greg Flynn, has contributed to Newsom's campaigns, including a $100,000 donation to help him fight a recall effort. Flynn so there you go. So that's, what, that's what's happening in the, the controversy. So are, are bakeries not fast food? So would you say, I guess Panera, is Panera Bread a fast food place? I, I don't know, because you can sit down, but they have like plates, like actual plates. They do. They have actual plates. Is that how you differentiate? What's a fast food place versus not? Does it have a drive-thru? Okay, a drive-thru. I think I've seen Paneras with drive-thrus, actually. I think so. Maybe we'll have to Google that. That seems I, like I that will. would be a long wait. Like, I've seen, like, a, a pieology with a, or one of those, you know, where you make your own pizzas Oh yeah. with a drive-thru. That seems like that would take a long time. That's true, yeah. So what makes it... What makes a place fast food versus not? Like even when you think about it, 888-528-2557, if you have the answer to this question or thought, 888-528-2557. What makes you fast food versus not fast food? Now, do they make the bread fresh, though? Like I know they bake it there. It's fresh. But I think do they... Panera's is fresh. So everything's fresh. So they make it like scratch, right? I'm, I'm guessing. Okay. So does that have to be part of it? I think that might have to be part of it. But maybe not. And see, if I'm in the other fast food restaurants, there's got to be a way now to take advantage of this loophole. Yeah. Right? I mean, if I'm McDonald's, can I just sell the bun? Yeah, if you go to McDonald's or if you go to Starbucks, they Wait. they have a bakery there. Well, is Starbucks a fast food restaurant? Are they considered a part of this? I would consider it. I mean, they sell food. They do. And that's an interesting thing. What is a fast food restaurant? This is a, a deep philosophical discussion. I know that we're having here today. But what makes the difference? Does a donut shop count? Well, it's a bakery. So like yeah. I think a donut shop would count. And I'll bet if you're a donut shop owner, you're rejoicing today to find this out because you're – well, I don't know. I know somebody who owns a donut shop, and they said it's very lucrative. <laughs> so if I go to Krispy Kreme, they're not paying their employees $20? Well, probably not, you know, those, those corporate people. You got a thought there, Jose? Oh, I thought you were waving at me to, uh, to join here. Now that what about Dunkin' Donuts? But you already answered it. Yeah, the the donut shop. I think it's considered a bakery, so you don't have to pay twenty dollars an hour. And that's the thing is now does it become terrible to work for these places? What about uh, Vallarta? Ooh, Vallarta is that a fast food? See, I would say yes, except you can go in there and eat. Because they got well, I wouldn't say it's a fast food, but they do got a food court there. So you know, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Oh, the the uh, supermarket. Yeah. Uh, maybe so. I'd keep meaning to go in there for a breakfast burrito, but uh, I haven't done that yet. Uh, you know, the the interesting thing with it, and you know, kind of what's underneath the, the whole discussion here is that it's another way to not have to pay or not have to lay off. It probably depends on your attitude, right? If if you are one of the companies who's saying we can't afford to pay everybody twenty dollars an hour, I mean, we're a fast food joint for crying out loud. Uh, you either have to fire people, and I've noticed at some places now there's no cashier. You have to use the app or you have to use the terminal. There's there's no no one at the register to take your order. you got to figure that out at the thing. And uh, and that's what's coming, complete robot places. That That is what's coming. But there's also the sense of, well, I don't want to have to fire people, so maybe this is good. Like there's a different attitude about, you know what, I don't have to fire people, but then – does that mean if I work for Panera and I'm only making a lousy $17 an hour, I should go work for McDonald's because uh, I can make 20 
See, that, that's going to be a problem in the marketplace, however, however this works out. Can McDonald's, if they just sell the button, do they have the jingle and it's, you know, no all beef patties, no special sauce, no, no cheese, no pickles, onion, just a sesame seed button? That's the new thing. So at what point is everyone becoming okay with just the robots because it's cheaper for them? And I think that's the question, right? At what point? What point are you okay with it in a fast food restaurant when the, everything goes to robots and computers and nobody works there? Everybody's fired because you otherwise won't go because you can't afford it. What do you think? What, how much are you going to pay? How much are you going to pay for your favorite fast food meal, however you define fast food, uh, where it's just too much and it's okay for people to fire workers and you just rather get it from a computer or a robot? 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. I feel like, Jose, you have a threshold already. Like you've thought about this. Like at what point am I just like, you know what? Let everybody go. I'll take the robots. I think the threshold – I hate to be the bad guy, but I think it's right now. Right now. Yeah. It might be right now. It might be right now. There's places, I guess, in the country where the Big Mac is $16. Just, yeah. just a I Big Mac. I think McDonald could start right now. Maybe not not all the fast food places, but the ones that, you know, before seemed like budget, like uh, fast food places. Right. Now are just expensive. I think those places, you know, start to more robot-y. You yeah, know? you know, can you bring back the dollar menu? You used to go to these places and, you know, you get everything for a, a dollar. Not anymore. That's rough. What do you think about this? It's just a, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a, a fun thing to think about, but it does impact people's lives, doesn't it? It impacts people's lives because you get, you either get paid, all the prices go up, so you're not really making money, or you get paid less, but you still have a job. Maybe your place is still employed by real people. Uh, uh, I got one call, somebody from Yogurtland. I'll take your call as soon as we get back from the break. I'm real curious what you think about this. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Thursday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you. The number is 888-528-2557. Hey, special announcement. Listen tomorrow to KKLA at 6 a.m. Or maybe you're listening to The Morning Answer on our sister station, AM870. Uh, listen tomorrow at 6 a.m. for a big announcement about our upcoming Ask a Jew, Ask a Christian event with Dennis Prager and Pastor Alan Jackson at Shepherd Church. It's coming up real quick on Tuesday, March 12th. And we have a special announcement that we will be announcing tomorrow at 6 a.m. and throughout the day. So check us out, 6 in the morning, KKLA, tomorrow in Los Angeles, or AM 870, The Answer, our sister station. We're both promoting that, as Dennis Prager will be here with us, and uh, Alan Jackson for Ask a Jew, Ask a Christian. You can learn more about that event at kkla.com. Just click on the banner that is right there. You can get tickets right there online. All right, we're talking about the fast food and the the minimum wage and we are talking about how is that dealt with because we learned today that Panera Bread has a special carve out that nobody seems to know where that came from um 
whereas a bakery, they don't have to have the mandated $20 minimum wage that all fast food companies will have to uh, observe as of February, or April 1st. 888-528-2557. And I asked the question at some point, uh, when are you okay with companies letting workers go and replacing them with robots? How much does it have to cost before you're okay with that? 888-528-2557. Olga in uh, California, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Olga. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Um, I'm thinking that er, um, Gavin Newsom obviously does not know what it is to run a business. Uh, we own yogurt lands in the Inland Empire. And we try our best to keep the costs down. Yeah. However, with this $20 minimum wage, um, we're going to be forced uh, to increase our, par- our prices significantly. Um, not only that, I think what Gavin Newsom is thinking that people who own franchises, that we work on huge profit margins, and we do not. We are barely making it. Not only that, what he does not consider is the cost of goods, which is also chipping away at profit. I know we are working a very narrow profit margins. I know we go to yogurt land meetings and everybody is frantic about it because all franchisees are afraid of this minimum wage because of that meeting, uh, because of the narrow profit margins, which is going to mean nobody's ever thought some businesses you cannot use a robot. Not only that, how expensive is it to use a robot? How efficient is it to use a robot? Will a robot impact your business? Will not allow you. I know we can't use a robot in yogurt land. It's self-serve yogurt. Um, so, I mean, these are things that are not thought out. And there's going to be more unemployment because, let's just face it, some franchisees are just going to have to close the door. Yeah. And let's just say that with the cost of goods, no one's going to pay $15 for a burger. I mean, no one. Uh, no one's going to pay $15 for a cup of yogurt. So it's going to spiral down. And I think what they're thinking of is that franchisees, we can attack them because they have these huge profit market margins or what appears to be huge profit margins when that is not nearly close to the case. We're going to have more unemployment because we hire a lot of people. We're going to probably have to close some of our stores, which is, I mean, we talk to a lot of different businesses. Mm. Uh, prices are going to go up and there's going to come a point which is called uh, price elasticity. Price elasticity is a business term where you can only charge so much. You you pull that price as much as you can where a customer will say, you know what, this is not even worth it. And I think we're getting close to that. Yeah, do you think we're we're already there? I think we're already there because, I mean, you know, like you guys were saying, you understand, no matter how good the product is, no matter how much you enjoy going there, there's, it's going to be, the price is going to be just pulled so much that even as much, you may not even be able to afford going there or the, the, the product is no longer worth it. And I think we are getting close to that. And we are not thinking about the huge unemployment. People think, yeah, sharing, yes, $20. They don't realize that there's going to be less jobs out there because businesses are going to close. You know, um, let me ask you about Yogurtland. Are you considered then a fast food restaurant? So you fall under that regulation? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're looking at, we're we're trying to, we're trying to, you know, um, I know the corporate 
is trying to just kind of see how can we can work around this. We're trying to keep our prices low. Um, this is what most of us want to do. We don't want to forward that towards the customer. That's the last thing. We don't want to lose our customers. Our products, milk, dairy, uh, fruit, everything is going up. And to top that up, $20 minimum wage. Yeah, I think... I mean, they, you, don't, they don't think about these things. They and, just think that franchisees are just have all this extra money to, to spend, and so they just want to give it to the employee. Well, guess what? There may not be a job opportunity for the employee because there may not even be a business operating that once was. That's right. And I, I, it's very bizarre that we don't understand this basic economic principle. See, and I exactly. think the cynical side is it's just buying votes. It's, oh, I'm going to make $20 an hour. Well, I'll vote for uh, Gavin Newsom when actually you're going to make nothing because you're going to get fired. That... Well, you know what? It's, it's uh, immediate gratification. Gra- Gavin Newsom thinks he's going to get the immediate votes. But in the long term, like what we're seeing right now, in the long term, when you start seeing businesses, franchises that hire many people closing yeah. or, uh, or even customers having poor service because you might, what used to be five employees, you might have one or two. How many people work in a yogurt land at the same time? We can have for a store like maybe about five people. No, not five people, about 10, about 10 people. At the same time? Okay. Or just 10 employees per no, store? No, stagnant, stagnant throughout yeah. the day. So uh, at, at one lot, time, I feel like there's only one or two people in there usually. Yes, because there's a lot of work that goes in the background. People don't yeah. think that it's a lot of work. We, you know, we uh, There's a lot of prepping. There's a lot of shit. It seems like there's one or two and somebody's just there collecting the money and saying goodbye, have a nice right. day. No, it's not. <laughs> you like there's a lot, no, a lot that goes in the background it's shocking. that customers don't even see. It's shocking how we don't understand business. Maybe people just yeah. ought to publish their books and say, look, we made yeah. no money last year. How about that? Yeah. Uh, and maybe what exactly. you guys can do since being a bakery uh, changes your – you don't have to follow it then if you're a bakery. Maybe you just make your own ice cream cones and say we're a bakery. Well, I mean, we do sell sell cones. We're trying to think about how do we get around? Can we start selling donuts? Can we start doing this? But, you know, there's <laughs> You can sell one plain donut, like one donut at you know, Tiny Thing, and then you're a bakery. Yeah. Some, yeah. Something but like it, that. It's so vague. It's so vague. You don't want to cross the state of California and be fined or, you know, by – you know, fine by not paying employees the twenty dollars because the the law is written so vaguely. Yeah, uh, it's so vaguely written, and attorneys don't. I mean, we've been trying to contact attorneys to help us with this. How can we get around? And no one knows. No one knows. But maybe it's by design. Right. Well, and I think you you're know. right that, uh, and I want to take some other calls, but Olga, I appreciate uh, you calling in and letting us know that because I think you're right. I think people don't get it. I think people think that you're rolling in the dough, not the donut dough but money that's the premise and that you just are so rich and you're just greedy corporate person and uh and you just have money to burn uh one of our senate candidates is proposing 50 dollars an hour minimum wage how much will the yogurt cost then (laughs) well there won't be a yogurt there won't be yeah there won't be and there's almost nothing with 20 bucks right now thank you for calling olga and hang in there with it i think we are on the tipping point where maybe this will change pretty soon she's right too you probably can't do that store even automated if you wanted to. Uh, Eric in L.A., you're on the Pastor Scott Show. 
Hey, Pastor Scott. Uh, thanks for having your show for us. <laughs> and I wanted to uh, call in. Um, I'm on my way. We're about to get on our way to that uh, Santa Cruz event that you mentioned. I won't go into detail on it unless you wanted to. But we're uh, about to get on our way uh, to that event in Santa Clarita. But anyways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the as far as the um, the first thing I wanted to get in, if you don't mind, if, if there's no time for more than one we're, thing. We're anyway, running out of time, so go ahead yeah, as fast as you can. Yeah, the, is, is that one thing people haven't really thought about when it comes to the robotics, you know, sudden takeover of robotics, is that... Um, not everybody will be able to afford their own robots. And mm-hmm. um, one thing you never hear about is that uh, robots will probably be leased out and, you know, um, repossessed and all that, you know. Yeah. So businesses will be, you know, like trying to get a robot probably not to own it. Maybe that may be very hard. Too expensive to but, own it, but you can lease it for a certain period of time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would think so. And I think the market, uh, we just can't live on a low minimum wage personally, I think. Um, I'm, I live around scraping the bottom, you know. Yeah. And uh, even though I, I got a little better job now, but we're also, we're, we're actually working in a higher responsible position at what the McDonald's minimum wage, fast food wages, minimum wage is going to be. Um, and every year we're supposed to get a raise or whatever, but still. It's um, trying to live on a low minimum wage in this area. There's areas where you just can't get by um, unless you're going to be totally dependent on, you know, government assistance. Yeah. And, it's, it's and see, in the, and we're about out of time, but Eric, I appreciate your call on that. And the, the issue is that when you raise the minimum wage or you have regulations, all that stuff, it raises prices. And then you're not really making more money. You're really making less by the hour as far as it's buying power. And, you know, these things don't solve your issues if you're barely scraping by. They actually make it worse. Uh, thank you, Eric, for calling. That's what's part of what drives inflation. Might make it better, you know, for a few weeks, but eventually your rent goes up, your cost of gas goes up, everything goes up, and then you're making less money, plus you're making less hours or you got replaced by a robot. Now you don't have a job. We have to think about these things from the standpoint of what it really means for people. And uh, I don't think we're doing that. Uh, A lot more to say about that, obviously, and we'll be talking about that more. Jerry, I won't get to your call, and uh, Eric, have a good time at the uh, event that you're going to, a Christian Worldview event over there at Crossroads Community Church. You can, uh, we talked about that earlier, you can find that on the podcast, the Pastor Scott Show podcast. All right, we're done for today. We will see you tomorrow for Open Line Friday on the Pastor Scott Show from 3 to 5. See you then. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.